How are you doing? It's so nice to see you. It's nice to see you too via the medium of Skype. I know, right? Like it's 19... 2012. 192012. <laughs> <laughs> um, how are you doing? Using all perspective of time. Yes, and place. I thought it was because I was in the countryside because I'm visiting my parents having used the lockdown laws to visit them for the first time in six months. And I, I was blaming East Anglia, but apparently it's been bad where you are as well. Yes, it's not been that great. But hey, we are here. So, so hello and welcome to, to episode two of the show we still don't have a name for, but will do because it will be in the titles. Yeah. Fill so, the title in here. So by the time this is actually up, we will have a title. It will be in graphics, I'm sure, but we don't know yes. what it is yet. You've you've written a you've written an intro song which is excellent. Thanks. Yeah, I'm we've sorry. got that. We've got an intro song. We've got a concept. We don't have a title, but hey. <laughs> and baby, we got momentum. <laughs> we've got momentum, <laughs> and we've got style and class. <laughs> and so, what are you drinking? Gin. I'm drinking a gin and tonic, oh. but not only not only is it a gin and tonic, it's a Mediterranean tonic. Oh. Yeah. If Mediterranean Tonic would like to sponsor this podcast, I guess we probably better get a name first. But then yes. <laughs> feel, feel free to get in contact. Please do. How are you and where are you? I am at home in London uh, where lockdown is just easing mm. and I don't know how I feel about it. But, you know, people are back on the streets. Yes. Uh, people are queuing outside TK Maxx. Well, that's good. For hours. Have you ever enjoyed at TK Maxx I find the TK Maxx experience too stressful I'm not a fan I have to say the thing about it is it's got the promise of labels and then you get in there and it's like you've made these up this is not a, this is not a real brand you have made this up to make the it Faglio's at 50% off. yes exactly I do not need Crispio's jeans you know what I mean it's like what I've never... I find suspicious about TK Maxx is the food all the snacks they have oh. that are on sale it's like, have you run out of chutney? Why not come and get 50% off chutney from the little bit in TK Maxx that's near the bit where you pay? Like, this might tempt you. Well, that's the thing, because you have to walk for miles through kind yeah. of windy... Christmas biscuits. Yeah, through, like, realms, essentially, of, like, <laughs> items you do not and will never need. But <laughs> by the time you've got to the till three months later... <laughs> You've got a basket full of suspect electrical goods and near-expired potpourri that smells a bit like Satan's belly. You know what I mean? Do you know what you mean? So Cheers to TK Maxx being reopened. Cheers to TK Maxx. <laughs> oh, we are open to being sponsored by TK Maxx, by the way, as well, because that was a glowing recommendation. Yes. <laughs> and they should be pleased to sponsor us. So, Nick, let's talk about uh, what, we're, what we're looking at this week. Yeah, so we uh, are looking at The Tour of Life by Kate Bush, which is uh, from 1979. It's Kate Bush's... And was her first tour. First tour, tour, right? First and then up until 2014 only tour. Yes. Um, And she was only 21. um, And 
uh, it sort of became the stuff of legends in many ways, I think largely because she did not tour again yeah. for such Until a long time. Until the one that you saw and I did not see and remains to this day probably one of the only major regrets I've yeah. ever had. It's... Well, we can talk about yeah. We can talk about that later because I need to prepare myself for talking about that experience <laughs> because it was you know spoiler it was incredible. Um, so, uh, Kate Bush, what does Kate Bush mean to you? Um, this is a hard one following last week because we did uh, Madonna's yeah. Blunder Ambition last week, and I have sort of ambivalence to semi-positive feelings about Madonna, but I have feelings yeah. about Kate Bush that. Tr- sort of transcend words i i think she <laughs> yeah. is and i think re-watching this um tour and watching a bunch of interviews around this has confirmed i think she's possibly the greatest artist uh of the last 100 years <laughs> she's yeah, certainly yeah, one of yeah. only two people that make me proud to be british bowie and her aha uh-huh. oh but, yeah mm-hmm. not Silla black oh i forgot about Silla. r.i.p Silla. Silla black as well <laughs> okay We'll start there again. She's one of the only three people that make me proud to be British. Scylla, Obbs, Bowie or Bowie, depending on Scone or Scone, and Kate Bush. Yes. Wow, yes. I mean, my goodness, what an incredible uh, legacy of work and what an incredible artist, Are you really. a fan as well? I am a huge fan, yes. Um, when did you discover Kate Bush? I was into Kate Bush from... Uh, for as long as I can remember, probably, my dad is a big Kate Bush fan. And we used to have a VHS uh, tape, remember then? It was when Skype was around. <laughs> oh, yes, which is what we're talking on now, exactly. Skype. Skype's VHS, Fender's Crispy Pancakes, the 90s, don't you miss it? <laughs> so it was like a VHS uh, compilation of Kate Bush music videos, uh, which he used to make me watch. He would sit me down as part of my education and make me watch. He was particularly fond of the Running Up the Hill video, where she's mm-hmm. dancing and they've got all the guys in the masks and there's a lot of people in grey leotards. It's a big choreography number. Yes. Um, and I used to watch it and then I would make my little friends come round and watch that and they didn't know what was happening. And now there are videos of us, me and my mates, watching the video so that we're being filmed from behind and we're trying to copy Kate Bush to Wuthering Heights, aged, I don't know. Amazing. or 13 or something around that. And all of us, like the weirdos that grew up together, the ones who ended up being all the queer kids, we, yes. all of us that met through drama club doing this, yes. sort of ending Great. up worshipping this sort of weird creature. And it all went from there. Good. Um, and, yeah, as you should, indeed. <laughs> you <know> right? That. <laughs> yes. Uh, amazing. I discovered Kate Bush, uh, I think, through the Sensual World album, mm. I was going through a heavy folk phase. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. And, uh, yeah. Bless and I believe I went to see uh, Clonad. I did not know Clonad. Of... Oh, okay. So, Clonad, <laughs> side note. So, Clonad were an Irish folk band um, who um, did the soundtrack for Robin Hood, The Hooded Man, which, again, 90s throwback, maybe even 80s throwback. Robin but, Hood, The Hooded um, Man, is that... Um, yeah, Robin, the hooded man. So it's not boom, everything boom. I do. No, no, prior, prior, prior. So it was an ITV version of Robin Hood, and it had a kind of mystical, very homoerotic, 
Um, I'm not saying it was in a sexual awakening, but it was. Um, it had a very, um, like, sexy, sexy, homoerotic kind of... It probably didn't, actually, to be honest. To be fair, it was ITV. You read into prime, what you need to read you into read, at that stage, yeah, don't you? at that time. Um, and, yeah, uh, so Collab did the, the kind of mystical soundtrack to that. Um, and... Um, I also probably play the harp because of Clannad. I think ra- I think I started playing the harp because I really liked Clannad. Oh. There was a harpist in it. Are they still together? Um, I've no idea. I don't know. Okay, no longer a fan, uh, a following fan. No, not really a following fan anymore. Um, and uh, anyway, so I, it was around that time, and uh, I went to see Clannad, and they were playing the Kate Bush album. Like, in, I think they were playing the Sensual World in between or before the sets. And I was just like, ooh, what's this? And uh, I asked my mum, and she was like, it's Kate Bush. Oh. And, because <laughs> my mum took me to see Glad. Oh, and, oh yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> yes. And, um, um, yeah, so it was Kate Bush. So I discovered Kate Bush through the Central World, which I still think is an incredible album. Yeah. Um, and and then there's sort of a journey since. And then she basically um, disappeared on you. What bad timing to get into Kate well, Bush. Well, she disappeared from the whole world for quite a while. Went yes. off to farm guinea pigs. That was the rumour that I'd heard, unconfirmed <laughs> on the internet. I've done some <laughs> searching. But for some reason, I came out of my teenage years going, Kate Bush is a guinea pig farmer now. <laughs> and she'll come back when she needs to come back. Yeah, I mean, I might have made it's, that up, it, but... it's a sidestep, but why not? <laughs> um, there's money in them guinea pigs, was, is what I've heard. I was also a teenager when um, Ariel came out. Um, oh. whenever, whenever it was, like 2005, I think. Uh-huh. I think which I was, was a Christmas present from Father Christmas, obviously. Was that, that was the sort of the, the comeback album? That was the comeback album with the Sea of Honey and the Sky of Honey, the two sides. Yes. The one that yes. heavily featured Rolf Harris, who she seems yeah, to have sadly. a real long-term connection with. But despite the yeah. uh, presence of the paedophile, it is nevertheless yeah. an absolute banger it's, of an album. It's a glorious, glorious album. Oh, God. I, I, I'm, whenever I think of it, I think of you going to the gig that I didn't go to and the fact that she played most of Ariel and it... Yeah, it was the whole album. She did the whole album me. in in order oh, as a kind of theatrical presentation. Yeah, to get Rolf out of jail uh, for one night or twenty two nights. I know. I think it was before Rolf was unmasked as a. Was he there? As a problem? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not the night I was there. Maybe anyway. it was mid unmasking. PJ Harvey was though. Oh, really? The night I was there. Yeah, yeah. On stage. No, she was in the audience. Oh, fair enough. Okay, yeah. Um. So we have got the tour of life. Now, um, Kate Bush had uh, sort of sprung forth via Wuthering Heights, was her first single. Yes. Um, and I, I was reading about Wuthering Heights, uh, which, I mean, what are your feelings on Wuthering Heights? <laughs> I'm looking at your face through the medium of the excellent communication vehicle that is Skype, yeah. and I'm guessing yes. that you're not a fan. No, I love. Are you kidding? Wuthering Heights. I thought this was a leading question. No, I absolutely love Wuthering Heights. Uh, yes. One of my um, yeah, it's one of my all-time favorite songs. It's a yes. classic. It's absolutely insane that she wrote it at the age she wrote it. Yes. One of the proudest moments of my life. We were, uh, I was uh, off teaching slash directing a group of young, I say young, fourteen to twenty-five year olds last year for six weeks in Manchester. None of them had ever That's heard young. of Kate Bush, and our warm-up oh. every day was. The Wuthering Heights dance, 
and then I went out clubbing with them one night and Kate Bush came on and they all did it. And hey. I felt like I passed on. I've been, number one, never so proud. Drama club pass on, pass on yes. yes. Pass on that drama club yeah. Wuthering Heights dance. Love that. Yes. I love it. I love it. Who doesn't love it? You've got to love it. And the thing uh, which I kind of also really love about it is when I moved to London, I get, uh, um, and I started going out, sort of like out in London, and I started going to Ducky, which is a sort of queer club at the RVT in London. It's been going for many years. Ducky. And they always, they always played Wuthering Heights. And again, I think that was, an, that was a rediscovery for me because people just went crazy for Wuthering Heights every time it was played. Do you do the dance, um, Nick? At 2am. Oh, of course. You fully had to commit. You, you've got to commit to that. We're doing the it full, right now. The full Wuthering Heights fantasy, you've got to commit to that. So, um, so I think sort of Kate Bush became present that way for me as well but um so uh Wuthering Heights was not supposed to be the first single it's supposed to be uh the, the gun one what's it called uh, um oh James and the Cold Gun uh-huh it's supposed to be James and uh, the Cold Gun and she um she was really determined that that was going to be the first single yeah um, and had quite a fight, I believe, with her record company and the, the producers in order to make sure that was the case. Um, and they were slightly like, ah, oh, we think she's just an album artist. We don't think it's going to be a, so blah, 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 blah. Let's just do it. Fine. Um, and then, of course, it was a huge, massive hit. Number one for, for a very long time. Yeah. And then it sold um, the album afterwards. Yes. So Wuthering Heights really, she, she knew, she, I think she knew that she needed to make an impact with her first single and what more of an impact could be made. And I've, I was, uh, there's a short but really good documentary that goes along with uh, this tour, which is also on, I, on not iPlayer, on YouTube as well, which I think we both watched. And she says something at the interview at the end of it. The interviewer is a big old dickhead, but she yeah. deals with him in a brilliant way. But she said yes. something about, she said um, that she plays songs first and she trusts people who she knows whose judgment is good. But she, have, she was like, you have to believe in yourself or you would become someone else. And as, yes. as someone, we both make work. And at some point, it's just, it's a very simple thing to say. But just having someone like Kate Bush go, of course, you need to at some point do what it is that you need to do and express what it is you need to express. She was just so right. She was just so right. She was so right. And she knew it at age 21. She knew it earlier than that. She, Man with yeah. a Child in His Eyes, she wrote when she was 13 years old, which is even writing a melody or like piano line that beautiful when you're that age would be astounding. But having the depth of concept and lyricism of that song when you're 13 years old... <laughs> Yes, and just that presence of mind, and I think that's been sort of part of the discovery of this. Was I wasn't, I'd never watched interviews with her really um, from around that time, and just the sense of self that comes through. Yeah, but also the sense, as you say, like the the interview, the, the documentary that we watched, which was on BBC One in nineteen seventy nine, that follows the tour. Like the the interviewer just seems determined, basically, to say to her. So when are you going to get married and have kids, essentially? Yeah, he literally does say that. And he does actually say that. It's basically like, do you see yourself giving this all up and getting married and have kids? And she sort of is just like, 
she just basically doesn't let him get away with anything. Yeah. She's kind of just like absolutely on every question and completely undercuts all his attempts to kind of basically go, mm, well, you're obviously going to get married and have children and disappear. But she, and all- she doesn't even uh, turn on anyone whose decision that is either. She doesn't go, well, I won't do that. She says, no. well, I might, yeah. but I might not. It's yeah. free- but she says freedom is important. And yes. she doesn't throw any other people under the bus for the decisions they might make. Exactly. So it's, it's just a brilliant... Uh, it's just brilliant to see that how um, how much presence she had, um, and of course that comes through in the music incredibly. Yeah, let's talk about the tour. Yes, um, I, I I am not an objective viewer when it comes to this. I no. I think I either cried or laughed out loud repeatedly throughout the viewing of this, which oh. was last night, and I I was messaging you and I was I was buzzing. Mm. I felt like I was full of energy from watching. I'm full of energy again, just thinking about it. Yes, I just, I am absolutely. <laughs> I just think, I just think she's so amazing. She, I mean, it's. I, I can't believe I've never seen it before. Yeah, and I'm delighted that it's in my life at this and point. Mega thanks to whatever nerd on YouTube has hooked up all of those songs <laughs> next to each other because that is a work of love from a mega fan. Yes. And I have to say, if I, now having watched this, if I was offered the chance to go back in time to one place, (gasps) it would be to 1979 to watch that gig. Yes. (laughs) Via a Roman orgy. I was going to say, there's basically no point in time where it's good to be a woman. So I'd probably go back to like 2007, just (laughs) pre-economic crash. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) (laughs) but um i think that that it would be an incredible thing to watch that and the sense the overall sense is that the audience is absolutely enthralled and completely with it you don't see a lot of them but when you do see them now so this the the version we saw is on youtube and it is based on a um a recording at the time and there was a there was a release of this of this video live at, yep. at Hammersmith Apollo, um, but because so it doesn't feature the whole concert because there were technical difficulties on some of the songs. So it it features twelve of the twenty two songs. Oh, I might have watched something different to you. I've seen all of the twenty two songs. What? Um, I don't know if you got the link that I sent you. <laughs> yeah, that's the link I watched. Oh, was it? Was it an hour and fifty minutes long? Oh, maybe it was a different one that I watched then. But either way, I can tell you about the stuff you missed. Okay. Yeah. Oh, damn it. I think I watched basically a remounting of the... Yeah, so you watched like a best of hits that was released as, uh, I think, on TV, like you said. Uh-huh. Whereas the, the thing I was referring to is a nerd on YouTube has painstakingly found the live versions of the songs that were missing from that tour and inserted them into the the one that you saw. Oh. So the quality on the on the ones that are missing is worse because it's taken from like bootleg videos. I've got you right. Okay, so I saw the I saw the sort of BBC yeah. recording which had technical difficulties, so it only features twelve of the songs. Yeah. You've seen the whole songs. Okay, got it. But we will we'll get through it. I'll tell yes. you what you're missing. Okay, great. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I one thing I want to say at the top of this um, mm. is that this should not work. Like, nothing she does should work. <laughs> nothing that is happening should feel right. This is music plus dance uh-huh. plus magic yes. plus mime 
mm -hmm. plus spoken word poetry and physical theatre. It's all wrong on so many levels. It, <laughs> it is basically one step away from including scat. <laughs> no, don't, don't say the S word. <laughs> like, every time this magician with the fucking stick pops out... Um, which I don't know how many times you saw I've, it in the I, song. Yeah, I did the... see some of that and was was perturbed. Yeah. So in the 22 songs, a, a magician whose main trick is to wave a white stick around as though he's not holding it, he comes out, I would say, <laughs> three to four to five times to do that same trick over and over again. Oh. And then there's some spoken word poetry from her brother and there's some mime like she's trapped in a box. It's like, it's everything... I don't want to see and yet like the purity of her creative spirit has has just everything like I'm fine whatever she does I'm fine yes I mean it is incredible to watch the kind of the absolute commitment yeah and the energy and mm -hmm. as you say it's all just I just felt I just felt like she was having a really amazing time throughout yeah um, the other thing that I thought about it was that um, a lot of moments that sort of preceded it culturally, I feel like they were in the tour. And I don't know how much of that of it, you know, people have seen. Confirmed by her or... Yeah, but I just felt, for example, I actually think that you know, we saw Blonde Ambition was the, was the tour that we looked at in the last episode. Yeah. I feel that there's actually quite a lot from this tour that found its way into Blonde I Ambition. I completely agree with you. Yeah, and I don't know if Madonna saw that tour. Yeah. Quite possibly, because I, I do think that she, take, she took a lot of influences from a lot oh, of places. I'm so excited. I completely agree with you. Yes. Of course, number one being the, the invention of the, 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 what became known as the Madonna mic. And then the Britney mic, but it's actually the fucking Kate Bush mic. It's the Kate Bush mic. Um, so th it was innovated. The, the the small mic that would be on a on a um, that would be sort of in front of the mouth to a, to be he heads hands free to allow for movement. It was innovated by her her and her technical team because she wanted to dance because she'd been training with Lindsay Kemp, who mm. was David Bowie's physical movement mm. dance trainer, and actually. Mm. He is a choreographer who had an affair with David Bowie. All the rumours, very exciting. Mm -hmm. So she was trained by him. So she was... And there's an interview with this guy in the documentary where he's like, she just keeps getting better at dancing and we need to stop her getting better at dancing or she's not going to be able to sing the songs. <laughs> <laughs> so she'd already got so good at dancing and wanted to incorporate it so much that they'd had to invent this new piece of technology that had never been yes. seen before. Yes. And I loved in the documentary when she was talking about, you know, that it needed to be perfected and there was slight issues with it. I just felt that there was so much innovation about this tour that that technically, um, culturally, artistically, that I feel found its way into other things. And so I do think quite possibly that there's a lot of influence in 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 from this in Blonde Ambition and in other sort of tours that followed. Agree. Yes. I 100% agree. Yes. So, innovator. Let's um, take it from the top, shall we? Yeah, let's take it from the top. How she, how she opens this magical, musical, poetry, mime, theatre show. <laughs> the tour of life. It encompasses everything of life. Scat. There's Magic. no scat. There's no scat. There's no scat. 
<laughs> We're talking about scat jazz, by the way. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just to make that clear, we both have an aversion to scat jazz. We're just going to put that out there. Yeah, That's what I we're talking about. To other kinds of scat too, yes. but only in a, like the classic human way that you might have an aversion to it. Hi, Dad. My dad's coming. <laughs> 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 That's a good point for you to come in, Dad. No, it's fine. We're about to start. We're not about to start. Do you want to shut the door? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Great stuff. Great. All right. So uh, we start with uh, the sound of whales, not the kind of Again, shouldn't work. Shouldn't work. But yes. You showed up to a fucking live show and there was like whale noise and projections of the sea and a big red egg. You'd be like, get me out of here. I'm about to experience some new age shit. Possibly, but then I would also... If a dreamcatcher falls from the ceiling now, I would not be surprised. (laughs) Help me, help me now. The dreamcatcher will be a step too far, but (laughs) luckily there is no dreamcatcher. But we do have uh, a dance sequence that we open with, um, shadowy appearance of Kate Bush, and straight into moving. Yeah, and again, which shouldn't work, but it's the, like... (laughs) It's all these leg warmers and it's this incredible mime piece and the song's great. Yes, and she's wearing a leotard with um, with contrast pants. Yes. Um, and, you're think, and you're thinking right now, is she singing this? Surely she can't be singing this live. I know, they've, I've, I know they've hooked her up, but the, I mean, even... I was, I was puzzled because the, the, the sound is so good for a YouTube gig, but then yeah, the yeah. sound is so good for someone singing and dancing at the same time. Yeah. Um, I yeah, just didn't I, think she I, could be singing, but she's definitely singing. I have written down, how does she sound like that? It's, yeah. It's <laughs> incredible. Like, it's right. how can a human being actually sound like that in a recording studio? <laughs> I know. And, but also live in a leotard yeah. with whale music. With full movements, like full how movement. how do you do it? It's it, it's really incredible to hear that voice. Also, um, so I noticed as well that there is quite a lot of sound. There, there are effects on the voice, so there's clearly yeah. somebody. There's clearly an element of te- somebody technically doing some um, some effects and Mixing. manipulation on the voice, which is again very innovative. Yeah, um, and. So it made me think of a few years ago, I went to see uh, Florence and the Machine being uh, doing an intimate recording for Radio, uh, Radio One, like yeah. a live lounge. And there was a, you know, there was a full deck on her voice. There was someone sort of manipulating the voice and manipulating the effects and all the way through. Um, oh. And again, I sort of, it made me think of that, this sort of use of um, technology on the voice to kind of augment it, but also to, to blend it in with the music in different ways. So, that, so there's clearly this incredible use of technology all the way through. You see a real visual link between Florence the Machine and Kate Bush as well. Yeah, away. 100%. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a very clear through line there. Um, so then in the recording I watched, the mega, mega long one, yes. she goes into saxophone song, which I don't know if you experienced. I did not get that one. So saxophone song, um, which apparently she wrote in 1975 when she was 17 years old, of course, and was never released, which is probably why it wasn't on the, the mega hits version of this gig. Mm. Uh, it was only released on a playable postcard and only in Poland. Oh. Yeah. Wow. And it was a song apparently about David Bowie. 
I okay. can't link between those two that connects them. And Kate Bush was uh, at, she said, at the Farewell to Ziggy Stardust concert and cried. Oh, goodness, wow. So this is um, rumoured to be a song about her experience watching Bowie kill off Ziggy Stardust live on stage. Oh, and of course, uh, David Bowie had massive influence on Kate Bush and her work. Yeah, huge. Two of the best, two of the best. So what's your thoughts on the staging so far? Well, after this, she rolls on a big red egg. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that. I saw that in a different video, so I have seen that moment. Mm-hmm. And she's also joined by dancers. This is another thing that linked me with Madonna, because actually you're seeing, uh, for like 1979, this is a mm-hmm. 20-21-year-old woman who mm-hmm. has written everything that's happening. Mm-hmm. She's choreographed the whole thing. She's made a choice, and she's chosen two mixed race or non-white dancers, non-white male dancers on, yes. to accompany her on stage who are dressed in a variety of like gender confusing or gender non-caring outfits yes. throughout, the, throughout so, the performance without yeah. any reference to it being in any way like controversial at all. Yeah, She's, it's absolutely queer reading. Yeah. And it made me completely think about um, the Like a Virgin moment from... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's there. Yes, yes. It, it's that, right? It is that. It's all the red tones of it. She uses colour, like. But especially, yeah, especially that uh, that moment uh, for that that song with this sort of cushioned egg mm-hmm. that she's in, and they're rocking yes. her backwards and forwards, and it's kind of quite erotic. Yeah. But they are very queer reading. Very um, that the the, the the what they're wearing is is well, they're, they're wearing makeup. They're wearing. Um, uh, sort of dancer leotards, but it's very queer reading. And I was just like, oh my goodness, yes. that is in bed. Yes. That is like a virgin from um, from the blonde, blonde ambition. Yeah, but it's also got that uh, line that Madonna has, uh, and the dancers in the blonde ambition tour in this song, where I think it's room for life. Of that, like, is she their mother? Is she their lover? It's like an erotic maternal yes. crossover yes. womb situation going on. Yes. Where you're not sure who is caring for who and who is supposed to be the child and who is the lover. And it's got this weird. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And also, you know, we talked a lot last time about the relationship between the dancers and uh, and Madonna as sort of this uh, yeah, this kind of yeah maternal yet erotic figure. Um, and and I felt like that was here as well. Yes, yes. You know, <laughs> she I re- invented everything. She invented everything. Kate Bush invented music, and uh, also we have her here, brilliantly cracking out some "I'm Trapped in a Box" choreography. Loved amazing, it. Amazing, <laughs> amazing. Like, who doesn't want to be rocked in a cushioned egg? You know, is Kate Bush trapped in a box? Oh, what should be trapped in a box? Yeah, Fine. yeah. And I and also my sense was because we talked a little bit about you know the the dancers in Blonde Ambition tour being maybe decorative. I didn't get the sense here because number one, I, they those two dancers were very much part of her development as a dancer, so she'd been working with them for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, it, it, there wasn't a very integral sense of their presence. I felt. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, so there was also we... less of her. Not that I want to participate in the violent act of comparison there's yes. less of her uh, as a even though it is completely her individual vision there's less mm. of her as a as an ego or as a individual in the piece yeah 
it was maybe just purely because you don't see her talking to the audience or because of she became along with the dancers sort of uh, one of the pieces that were moving in in the painting yeah. rather than her at the front and them being sort of in the dark in the background yeah absolutely so in the so i in the version i saw there was no she never talked to the audience once was that the case in the version you saw pretty much yeah, yeah. an hour yeah. 50 minutes i watched and she yeah. said thank you okay once. right 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 yeah there was there was no talking so there was very much a sense of um, it being a kind of a theatrical presentation in some ways, because also each song is its own moment. Mm -hmm. So there is a change of set. There's a change of costume. So so <laughs> a like couple of costume yeah. changes. So I was like, is there really a costume for each song? And I believe that was pretty much <laughs> the, case. the case. Yeah. yeah. So so I, I suspect. That what was happening, which I didn't get from the video I watched, but I, I'm guessing there was there were transitions between each song, which gave her time to get changed and yeah. for the for the stage to be reset. But there so, was only a couple of long ones, right? Mostly filled by the magician with the stick. Oh, <laughs> that would have been a down moment for me, I think. But, <laughs> they were very long. Okay, well, one that's was good. one was filled with spoken word poetry by her brother. Okay, again, unacceptable by anybody else. <laughs> yes. The second one was a magician with a stick. That's on the line of unacceptable as well. Yes. Despite me being a fan of close-up magic, but I'm possibly the only woman in the world that's a fan of close-up magic. Wow, okay. Impress me with a card trick. I'm here for it. <laughs> um, I'm the one going, oh my God, where's the coin gone? Mission's <laughs> like, hey. So, um, Yes. So, um, yeah, so there's this real ensemble sense. And I got that from the documentary as well, this sense that they've been working, mm. the team, the musicians, her, the dancers, they've been working so hard to make this all happen. It felt very integral on stage. Yeah, you're right. And what, yeah, what that documentary, you see them, I think they were, some of them were touring before is like the Katie Bush and band or something they yeah. were called. Yeah. And it's two members of her family and like long for long term friends. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't seem like they would have brought in any randomer to be the dancer. The, the other adorable thing I think about the documentary is that her older brother is catering for the for the tour. <laughs> vegetarian tour. They, they talk about the fact that they're having a, basically a vegetarian tour and, um, and, the, and there's a, a close-up of lots of crumbles. Yes, the vegetarian food of the 70s. But we would have crumbles. been so yeah. full of farts. <laughs> yes, covered in cellophane. I just thought the whole thing was so... I thought that was just so adorable. It really was we a family veggie, business. I wonder if I would have had the dedication to be a vegetarian. In the 70s, it could have been tricky. A lot of, like, vegetable crumbles. vegetable crumbles, I think, would Savory have been... Savoury crumble? Oh, dear, no thanks. I feel like that was my childhood. When I turned vegetarian at, like, four, at like 12... I don't think, I think I've ever I, had a savoury crumble. I think I was forced to eat a lot of savoury crumbles as kind of revenge so by my mum. Yeah. Well, um, for me, that's an exciting idea. So I'm like... Do it. Make, make it. Someone. Yeah, do it. I think that it's fairly it's easy. It's a Kate Bush uh, tour of life cookbook. Yes. <laughs> Vegetarian crumbles. <laughs> now, the other thing that I was thinking was, oh my goodness, these songs are amazing. Yes. The songs, it just sounds so brilliant. And, you know... I, I don't know, it's through the medium of YouTube, but still they sound so rich, so layered. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can only imagine that live the sound must have been phenomenal. 
And also, considering they've just invented this microphone, and she was saying mm. that up until a week beforehand, they hadn't perfected it, and they mm -hmm. didn't know if it was going to work. Because the next song, they have them heavy people, and she's yes. doing... It sounds like the record. The dance, the choreography is like the record, so it's proper... She's doing sort of what would now look like thriller-esque Michael Jackson dance moves. Yes. With her two dancers. Actually, this is another Madonna moment. All three of them kind of Dick Tracy'd up. Dick Tracy'd up and fight and fighting. There's this like a yeah. kind of slow motion fight. Again, very reminiscent of moments from Blonde Ambition. Yeah. So that, yeah, you're right. It's the, <laughs> I mean, if you talk about the sound or the sort of, the layering of the music, which obviously is not quite what the record is because she's using all kinds of technology even at that stage. But Them Heavy People definitely sounds... It's the sort of stuff that she would do live because I guess Them Heavy, heavy People was easier to recreate mm -hmm. when she would do... I think that was the only... I think she was only on TV in the States a couple of times at that stage and she would always pick that song. Right. I don't know if it was because it was easier to recreate with that number of instruments or because it's kind of like a pop tune. Yes. Well, a Kate Bush level pop tune. Yes. <laughs> Rolling the ball. Yeah, and with with some rolling of balls. Oh yeah, the egg rolls off. Yes. Um, <laughs> off, so, it, off it rolls, and then yeah. we have another synth dance break, another colour change, and I I have to think that nothing is chosen without thought in this tour. And oh. every time the song changed, there would be a very dramatic block colour change of light. Uh -huh. And I was like, she's, she's thinking of something. I don't know what it is that she's got planning, but there's a reason why she's going block colour on each track. Yes. But it changes now to A Man With A Child In His Eyes, where she's yeah. at the piano. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. And I was sort of... I was thinking about this in first off on the reaction to this song, which is when I got really teary the first time around. Oh. And I was like, am I reacting to witnessing something that's virtuosic virtuotic mm -hmm. but like i'm reacting to her virtuosity yes or is it something beyond that because i'm reacting and i know that she wrote that when she was 13 and i know that she's just done a mad synth dance break and then sat down at the piano and is singing with this incredible voice and playing mm. it at the same time this song that is beyond anything i could ever imagine creating but i, I genuinely think it's something beyond virtuosity i think i'm reacting there's this, do you know the word duende? I do not. It's a Spanish, it's like a, I think Lorca first coin, coined it, but it's like a, now it's a Spanish term for, it's like the, like the spirit of like uh, expression, but it's like uh -huh. a dark sort of ancient spirit of expression. It's whatever makes you want to bodily react to mm. art. So when you're like, this makes me want to cry or mm. laugh or my spine is tingling and there's something ancient and like it goes beyond this time it is somehow like interconnected to history and is somehow fresh at the same time there's something about her where i'm like she is like the, i i <laughs> i know this is so unobjective i'm like i think she genuinely is like deep deeply connected or like is like a uh, channeling duende Wow. Yes, I, I, I completely hear what you're saying on that. Yeah. And this is that moment where I first thought it, because I'm like, am I reacting because she's just really good at piano? <laughs> I think it goes further than that, because, because it, there's such a purity of artistic expression mm -hmm. 
there's such a there's such a, a passion and a commitment to the music but there's something beyond that with Kate Bush yeah there's like a, it's like not earthiness and it's not like darkness but it's something inexpressible that's sort of deeper and more rooted yeah and I think channeling is a good word mm-hmm. very is it because I think that's what she does and she yeah she's just so it, there's it's just so beautiful as well as the other thing you know I mean that song is so fun you know that song is just yeah. you know of a, of, a, of a career of standout incredible music what that song is you know one of the greats I think in her, what were you in her like career. when you were 13 Nick a dick of course <laughs> you know I mean I well you know I mean I I, I can't really remember but Did you I poetry yes I did write poetry and I um, I lived in a village and sort of went for walks a lot, I think. <laughs> I think that was basically my life, was writing poetry. I, I had started playing the harp. No. <laughs> um, I was going through a folk phase. Um, yeah, so that was basically me. How about you? I think I was about to get a head brace. And uh, oh. I had a little bowl haircut. I was having a miserable time. I think I was, uh, I was writing songs and poetry and all the stuff that you do when you aren't Kate Bush. Yeah, when you're a proto live performer yeah. in yeah, later exactly. life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so, man with a child's eyes. That's happened. Yes. Yes. So that is uh, definitely a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, in this, in the long version, we go into Egypt. I don't mm-hmm. know if you had that. I did not get that, which I wish I did, because that sounds mm-hmm. like a moment. How yes, was that? Yes, you know what? She, in this one, she's like, she comes out and she is what, not what you would call now culturally appropriate. Mm-hmm. But again, whatever she wants to do, I'm fine with. Okay. When she said that thing about Theresa May, where she was like, I like Theresa May, which I will qualify by saying she then... Said that was not the not case. Touring. Yeah. But when she when she said I like Theresa May, my first thought was not Kate Bush is wrong about Theresa May. I thought, well, I must be wrong about Theresa May <laughs> if Kate Bush likes her. <laughs> but luckily, she didn't really. So <laughs> yes, we weren't, we weren't wrong. Really. But watching her dance around in a belly dancing skirt, okay. to some Arabic drumming, I thought maybe she's right. <laughs> Just let Kate Bush do her thing. Yeah. It was the seventies. It was the seventies, and she had these dances and this all this stuff. She's not. Yes, I don't think it was culturally inappropriate. I think it was uh, an embracing and a using of cultures. Yeah. But anyway, so she does that. She's got her voice is amazing during this, and then the next one we have is "The More Looks Something Like You," and that's when the magician comes in with a stick. Not sure if you saw that one. I don't think I saw that one. I think, but Tell I did me get. Where you came in. I came in on violin, which is the dancing, which is the dancing instruments. Yes. So Kate Bush is dressed as a bat. Her two sexy backing dancers come on dressed as what I assume is supposed to be big violins. Yes. While she dresses as a bat and she's doing this song about violins, which this is her, this is the highest note she ever hits Ah. in the record. Uh And she's going, wow, and they're really low, really high. Dressed as a bat, while two violins hump each other. Oh, this is the Batwing moment, isn't it? This is the Batwing leotard as well. The first of many. There's a number of Batwing leotards, and I think yeah. that I think that they have been maligned and overlooked. Bring them back. Bring, Bring back the Batwing leotard. <laughs> I'll sign the petition. Yes, because 
you know, it gives us, it gives movement, it gives life, it gives, it brings colour and joy. So bring back the Batwing leotard. she might be a bat. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, so we've got this beautiful but slightly uh, weird dancing instruments. Um, and we move on to... The... I just... I really read this moment as kind of punky. Not in, obviously, it's like actual sound, although the highs and lows are pretty... I mean, they're pushing the sort of melodic nature of it yeah so you're like this is this is someone who doesn't give a fuck at this point she doesn't give a fuck she's 21 uh-huh. and she's she's like i am in charge of this and in this 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 tour this enormous tour it's costing hundreds of thousands there was a lot of attention on this tour yes this was, she was under huge pressure she's just been like these two men will come out dressed as violins and I i'm gonna be dressed as a bat <laughs> once my magician's done his bit <laughs> There will be some viola- some large violin frittage. Violin frittage, and then I'm going to have a fit, and I'm going to pass out on the floor, and then my brother's going to read a poem. <laughs> yes. <and laughs> I'm sure everyone involved was like, Kate, 100% sure on this? <laughs> we definitely definitely go with this? But that's being a visionary for you. Yeah, because this hadn't worked before is the thing. There is no precedent no. for this working. No. So her standing by these decisions is even more remarkable because there's no proof that any of this would work. Yes, yeah, absolutely. It's all very untested. It's, there is a sense of experiment, uh, of, of it being experimental. Uh, and uh, it's sort of edgy in its, um, in its willingness to take risks, I think. It's really edgy. Yeah. It's really edgy. It is edgy, isn't it, I think. Um, and it doesn't feel cliched. It feels, it feels surprising yeah. even now. <laughs> I was laughing another moment near here a man walks out well I don't know what what the camera isn't catching a sort of man covered in jumpers with red pom-poms sort of dances at the back like a crab yeah which I I don't know what's been happening on stage (laughs) I think my camera's only just caught him because my feeling is that whoever is the magician uh, is also kind of like appears as this really slightly disturbing almost like the child catcher from uh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang he sort of yes. appears as this like slightly nightmarish figure that sort of <laughs> appears throughout for no particular reason, but he's there. Um, so I I wrote nightmare scary dancing instruments as well because yeah. I think there is a there is a bit something. But I've also written in that section what a natural and joyous performer. Yeah. Um, and and that there's there's a, a she's not a forceful forceful presence, which is I think what we're talking about about her sort of being there being an ensemble feeling, but she's absolutely compelling. Yeah. Um. So we the, the there's an interlude where presumably well curtains were closed. There was a poetry yes. reading. So so there's a poetry reading, and in the version I saw, they then have the kick inside, mm-hmm. um, the title track of the album. Um, which apparently was uh, a song inspired by a murder poem about a girl who got pregnant by her brother and then was murdered. Oh. So that's the inspiration behind that song. Goodness. Then you're right, there's a curtain down and second section up, uh, and she's on the piano for in the warm room. Yeah, and then we've got full full house. Yes, this is the first, time, this first and only time I hear her speaking to the audience. Okay. Thank you, thank you. Can you do Kate Bush? I can't, but... Sort of be- a bit Betsy like that. Heath. 
So I want. She's like, I don't know really. So I watch. Freedom is important. So I watch that in one of the documentaries. There is uh, an interview with her family. It's a German documentary, um, mm. and there's an interview where they go to her family home, and they're all sitting very awkwardly on a wall, and she looks like <laughs> she wants to die because her parents are talking about her, and they've <laughs> and they've got that classic sort of English accent where you don't hear anymore, where her dad sort of goes, "Yeah, I've always believed in her. I think." Like that. <laughs> we sort of go, no one really talks like that anymore, but it feels very recognisable. Yeah, it's it's sort of very... The, one of my favourite Kate Bush interviews as well was when she is on uh, a Delia Smith cookery show talking oh, wow. talking about being vegetarian. And she says at the end of it, because I think she's kind of on a mission to, to promote vegetarianism to the youth. And at the end of it, she goes, yeah, I think there's a lot in vegetables. <laughs> and, then, and then Delia Smith goes... Thank you very much. And that was the end of the interview. But, <laughs> oh, well, that was my ringtone. Yeah. I think there's a lot in vegetables. I think there's a lot in vegetables. Um, <laughs> you can do yes. that. But also, can we just stop the press? Because I have forgotten to mention that you do a very, very good <laughs> Kate Bush vocal. Because in our hit show, which we could not remember the name of last week, but it's called <laughs> can you remember Paid Fantasist. Paid was the name of our hit show. Uh, we did do a song based on Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights, which was number we one. Did. We were doing a show about 1979. Yeah, uh, when the Tories came in, uh, when Thatcher came into power, and we and Kate Bush was number one with Wuthering Heights, and so we did a Wuthering Heights style song. Uh, and you did an amazing Kate Bush <laughs> vocal, and I, I wish we'd recorded it, but um, I just wanted to. Praise and give honour to that. Oh, that's too kind. Oh, that was that is, as you've heard tonight, the highest praise anybody can. Yes, have no, it's joyous. One day we should record it and just like slip it into another of these podcasts, yeah. just as a. Oh, I also I was listening to a mega fan podcast uh, of Kate Bush. Yeah. Earliest day, which is run exclusively by men called Gary and Derek. <laughs> <laughs> Bless. <laughs> Very cute. They call in. Um, but apparently, when they were kids, they were so they've been fans of Kate Bush since the get go when they were like 11, 12 years old. This bunch of what were then boys in the playground who were obsessing over Kate Bush. And apparently, her mum would let would invite all of her fans in for cups of tea. Like they would show up to their house in South London, and her mum would be like, ah, come in for a cup of tea. And then would call them Aww. up if they hadn't come round recently. Yeah, I've been oh, how yeah. sweet! Sweet, but also like don't don't encourage really, them. Like, that's a very dangerous way to deal with fans. Come on in! Come on in! Come into Come our house. In. We will make you pancakes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I suppose that was sort of pre-stalker days. Yeah. And that's adorable that they've had a lifelong relationship with um, with Kate Bush's music. Yes, it's very sweet. But talking of nerds, because one of the things... Great segue. Great segue. Because also what came out of this documentary that I really loved was all the full music nerdery going on behind the yeah. scenes. That was you know, sort of the technical people, the musicians. They just... There was such a sense of, of people who just are completely obsessed by music and the kind of minutiae yeah. of making music working on this show. And that really put into context, for me, the musicianship on stage... Yeah, because you don't really see them in this. No. Uh, in the filming at all, they all are all on stage, and you catch kind of glimpses of their shadows, but the, their presence is not really noted that well by the sort of videography. Yeah. But yeah, they're they're 
they're there. They're doing all of it live. Yes, and it, um, a lot of the musicians were also providing backing vocals, and it's just mm-hmm. it's such a. It felt like a very yeah, well oiled machine. I love that machine. scene in the documentary where you realise they're doing these harmonies. The two brothers, I think. Yeah. Or the brother and a friend. Yeah. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And that guy, the interviewer on that documentary, really kept pressing her because he didn't seem to believe that a, a woman or a woman of that age oh. was able to control, or not, control is the wrong word, control is the word he used, but I think, like, basically have the respect of a group of male musicians yes. enough that they would do what she asked. Yeah, which I actually... And they, they were so humble. Like, all of the yes. all of the musicians in the room were... Of, not a single one of them seemed like they even noticed or cared yeah. about her gender or her age. 100%. And that was the thing that was sort of slightly, like, perturbing about the documentary was it felt like he was needling this kind of, like, oh, how are we, how are they, how on earth are they respecting you? And, yes. and I don't think that it had occurred to her before that that would have been a factor because I think that everyone in the room was just like, we want to facilitate your vision fully. So, yeah. um, so that was, that was such a strange thing about that documentary. But I also um, read another uh, point about the fact that when she first came out with Wuthering Heights, she she was constantly asked about her hair and her look, and she just got really frustrated. <laughs> she got really frustrated because at the time, like everyone wanted to copy the the hair. Oh my god! I've been spending my life trying to build. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, everyone wants that that like russet crimp, and um, <laughs> which is like, what Sorry. she basically kicked off. <laughs> and um, uh, um, you know, she was very frustrated by the fact that there was the focus was on the look and and russet. her hair, the, the russet crimp, and not and not the musicianship, which is what she was really focused on. I know it completely it goes against everything you just said, mm. but I've now finally got the words to tell the hairdresser. Yes, yes. History. When I would, I would like a russet crimp, please. Your finest russet crimp. <laughs> Delicious. Uh, right, so we are uh, in um, the second section. We've got to Strange Phenomena, which I have not seen. So tell me about that. Yes. Strange phenomenon we're on, and it, it, so she comes out. She's had a little costume change, uh, as always. She is in top and tails, and the men are kind of in like a sort of Star Trek spacemen sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. And straight off the bat, they are pulling hankies out of her sleeve like she's a magician. So we're back straight into the this would not be acceptable. It should not work, but scenario. somehow yeah. I'm willing to accept it, and in yes. fact, actively encourage it. Not in, under um, any other circumstances. Yeah, so she and her um, beautiful uh, male dancers who are dressed as uh, they're in Star Trek are doing sort of a very leggy uh, dance uh-huh. uh, with this track as well. And this is where I've got all the notes about this is clearly a sort of through line between her and Madonna um, just through the, the sort of the relationship with the dancers, the kind of dancers and the fact that she's a woman doing the sort of stuff she's doing. Um, but this ends and she does some more um, acting, should we say? There's some yawning, uh-huh. there's some pointing. Yeah. And sort of and some pointing at some red thing. Like, ooh, what's this? Again, unacceptable by anyone else. What's this in the red? She points at the red thing. She's like, is it, what's in here? And out comes the magician with his stick again. Oh. Which lasts for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that can wear thin. Yeah. And I guess she's off having another quick costume, costume change. change. Because the stick man uh, and his magic 
pole are there. They, they emerge out of the red egg once she's discovered he's there. And then they go into Hammer Horror. Yes. Which, which is... So, so I saw that, which is a recording of... So it's essentially playback of the recorded track and is, is purely mm. a dance number. Which is a sort of, again, Madonna yes. has that moment. In her Dick Tracy section of yes, where she says we're going to lip sync. Yeah, and which I suppose Kate Bush doesn't even lip sync. No, she's so it's just a dance. But but it did seem surprising in this context, and and it was not what I was expecting. Um, so I, but it but it's the full. So I, I guess in this moment she wanted to focus on the the dance, which is from the Hammer Horror video. Um, yeah. and, and it's she's great. In the golf gown. Fail. It's great. I love yeah. it. It's full. It's expressive. Um, it's full, full camp. Yeah, the men are all masked, little sexy masking of the male dancers. Yeah, it's a full kind of hammer, hammer horror camp fantasy, and I'm fully here for that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I forgive the not singing. I'm just like, yes, yeah. the dancing's beautiful. Actually, talking about camp fantasy, in this version that I saw, she goes straight into Kashka from Baghdad. Which I don't know if you have. No. But this is like a so this is like another sort of uh, like Eastern or Middle Eastern inspired track. But she does it at the piano, and this is about uh, two men, like a, a love affair between two men in Iraq. Oh. So this is like a queer love story that she does at the piano, straight out of Hammer Horror, and <laughs> it's the first time um, after she said thank you, she looks up and maybe the camera catches it, and she 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 notices the audiences. And she really smiles, ah. and she's she just she looks absolutely beautiful, yes. and she you can see she's sweating, and you can see she's out of breath, and it's the first time that I noticed that, or really, like for a lot of it, it could even be a Kate Bush video because of the choreography, because of the sort of lack of contact with the audience, mm. and because of like the perf sort of the perfect way she can deliver it. Yes. It could almost be a music video. Yes. And this is the first time I've noticed her sweating, panting, uh-huh. and smiling at the audience. Yeah, which is interesting because the, the audi- there, there isn't an invitation for the audience to sort of be involved. Like the audience are definitely there to watch. And they're sat. And they're sat. In the auditorium as well. Yeah, so there's definitely that, there's definitely the dynamic, almost of a theatrical dynamic of like, we are, the, these are presentations of the songs one after the other, there isn't necessarily going to be that kind of building of energy because it's going to be sort of interrupted each time by, yeah. by this transition. Um, but um, but it's still, it definitely in the version I saw, you know, the audience are enthralled and yeah. are very enthusiastic. Tell me what track you had next. So next I had... Because I had some Don't Push Your Foot on the Heartbreak, where she has yes. sort of a low security prison vibe going on. Yes. So we, it felt to me like we moved from something kind of ethereal and spacey to something kind of darker and a bit more streety, if you yeah. will. And she's gone literal with the street. Yes. So she's gone, what? Streety? Leather? Leather. Prison? Car sirens? Wire fencing. Wire fencing. <laughs> so we've got that sort of aesthetic... That we're You're like, am I here to buy a second-hand car or am I in a low-security jail? Yes. Either way, I'm the happy to be there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, um, so we've got this sort of very clear sort of shift of aesthetic to something that feels more sort yeah. of streety. I don't necessarily see Kate Bush as of the streets, mm-hmm. but um, but that's definitely the sort of vibe that she's going for. Um 
And I would say here, and perhaps I'm making a bit of a leap, but I don't know if you've ever seen um, the Kate Bush, no, not the Kate Bush, the Lady Gaga video for um, Edge of Glory, but that no, has no. a similar aesthetic. Huh. Yeah. So I was a bit like, oh, I wonder if there is also a, 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 a Lady Gaga has taken a reference from this as well, potentially. But um, yeah. Well, if that's true, Kate Bush apparently wrote this song uh, as a Patti Smith song, oh. her words, uh-huh. in which case it would be a Patti Smith through Kate Bush back to Lady Gaga. Yes. Song. Um, and I, I'm, I'm here for that. I'm here for this sort of leather wire fencing <laughs> fantasy. I mean, once again, it's completely unacceptable that it was anyone else because it's got some of these sexy male dancers are getting bin lids and smashing them against they the are. wire walls like you're in a shit kind of stomp video. Yes. Uh, and I will forgive her. Yes, fully. Yes. Um, I've, written, I've written down here, I'm trying to find something about this I don't like, and I can't. All right, so we are then into WOW. Yes. Wow. Again, another sort of big Kate Bush uh, track. Um, And we've got Dry Ice. We've got... I've written Goddess. (laughs) What are your thoughts? I've written, um, again, with the uh, Madonna through line, a kind of whirling dervish. um, Yes! Sufi Islam thing, because the men are in skirts again with this... Yes. uh, gender queer, sort of. I don't give a fuck. Not very. It's not a very like clangy, uh, sort of attention-seeking sort of gender fuckery. But it's very much like the men are in skirts now, and yeah. I'm in a skirt, and we're going to be Spinning. using these skirts as part of this sort of whirling dervish moment. Yes, I think you're absolutely right about that. That that the the queer the queer codingness is never uh, highlighted. It's present and it's part of the artistic expression, but it's never something that's used in a way that feels sort of that makes it feel strange in in that context. I doubt that many people in 1979 had seen something like this before. Yeah. In fact, I doubt anyone. I just don't think that there'd been anything like this present before is my sense. And the whole again, not bring back to her age or the gender or the year but the fact that age age 21 she can go in and uh have her dancers do this and make decisions like she's making and also have um the atmosphere or this sort of there's this you just accept that this is the way it is mm, yeah absolutely. Like, like you said about the musicians it's like no, none of the musicians are questioning her vision no nobody there's no questioning it's just this is what's happening now yeah and it's not happening because it's a political decision about gender. It's happening because why wouldn't it happen? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very... Um, it's really just so pleasing to see that, that someone's vision is being so supported. Yeah. So I've written... Yeah, so she's in WOW. Sorry, you go she's, first. She's in WOW. I don't know when this person comes back, but I've written again, who is this creepy horror being? <laughs> yes, he does come back <laughs> later, doesn't he? The yes. man in a mask. Oh, there is a really... There's some, there's some, there's kind of like this through line of some, this person who walks through in a creepy manner in various creepy costumes. Well, the next track I saw was Coffee Home Ground and this fucking magician is back with his stick. Yeah. So I don't know if it's the same man just crossing, using this, the creepy mask to cross over and pick up his stick. Yeah. And Um, I've got, I've got, I've written, we're in a desert, but I'm not quite sure when that comes in. Yeah. Maybe a bit later. Wow. Because Coffee Home Ground, she's um, kind of got this like 
sort of like cabaret, like Brechty, like that kind of era of German vibe about that. I don't oh. know if you saw that one. I don't think I did. Okay. She's out in some lovely new trousers. She's given us some silly face. And then there's more poetry from her brother. Uh-huh. How do you feel about the poetry? I mean, again, it's like there's a lot of the notes the poetry hits is stuff that for anyone else would be completely unacceptable. There's like <laughs> daggers, there's girdles, there's chestnuts mm. in your hair. Mm. But her brother was a poet and mm. I suspect it was probably his poetry. Okay. And... I like the family vibe. I'm also, again, completely unobjective and happy for her yes. to do whatever she wants. Yes. <laughs> and this poetry, this, the second section of spoken word here is a lot of, uh, like, colour and metaphor, and which made me think, again, a lot of the colour blocking she's doing with the lights is mm. probably very much on purpose. Mm. And there's, I reckon you could watch this over and over and over and over again mm. and, and fight. And she's also, I don't know, she's reading stuff that I've never read. And reading right. stuff I have read, and there's probably references that I'm not getting. Yeah. All I'm getting is love, Nick. Oh. I'm getting is love. Oh yes, full. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of a sense of that of, of, the, of it just all being very sort of loving in the way that it's being created and the way that it's being presented. <laughs> I think which just sort of help. It just feels so warm the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so uh, then we've got Symphony in Blue. Yeah. Um, and then we're on to Feel It. Feel it. This is hot. Feel it's hot. Yeah. yeah. This um, is uh, the sexiest track uh-huh. and the sexiest performance, I think, of the of the concert. Yes. Yeah. She's got this. Sort of, she's at the piano again, and she's got this sort of like heavy eyes. Yes. And the uh, her vocals on this are crazy. dreamy, sublime, crazy. In, in, just, just how can a human make such sounds? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 lo- I love this track. Yeah, yeah. Um, it... Yeah. And then we're on to... Ah. Then we're on Six, six exclamation marks. Amazing. And then we're on to Kite. Yep. Uh, for a while we've seen um, uh, some masked man dressed as a goblin and wearing uh-huh. a leather hat reading a magazine. He wanders across and yeah, then you're right, we're into Kite. Uh, so we're, it's like a big dance number with uh, umbrellas. Like the guys are back and they're in braces. They've got their brollies. They're frolicking. It's kind of like the running up that hill video. Yes. Um, yeah. With a sort of constant uh, movement and with the leotards. But you know the you know running up the hill where there's sort of there's like ten people in. Uh, it, have you seen it? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So they're like they're, they've got that kind of like um, stream flowing. I don't know how he'd say it in choreographical terms because I'm not a dancer. But it's sort of like the, like a constant stream of movement. Mm-hmm. Lovely. Yeah. She gets yeah. thrown around by them. She gets thrown like, around. There's an extended guitar solo and I've written, <laughs> I hate an extended guitar solo, but I'm here for this one. <laughs> <laughs> she could kill a man. We wouldn't care. Oh, we'd be like, good. You did that. It was beautiful. Well done. Die. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we've got the extended guitar solo um, and with, with dancing, and then we are into uh, James and the Cold Gun. Yeah, a Wild Westy vibe here, and she's got a big gun. She's doing uh, like the whole sexy girl and a gun thing here. She's got an amazing cat suit on, which was oh, yeah, giving tell me. Us about the outfit. <laughs> well, so it's a it's a it's a cat suit with gold lame gloves um, it's and a col- collar and a collar, and it's it's got a little bit of sort of glam rock. 
Ness to it, but it was also giving me a bit of kind of Kill Bill. Yeah. That sort of Kill Bill yeah, aesthetic where she's got the gun and she's a, she sort of is giving us a bit of kind of um, assassin vibes. She must have been so knackered by this point and she's really going for it. Doesn't she's show. Re- she's really played, I mean, maybe because she's 20. Maybe yeah. we would have been like that when we were 20. Oh, no, I like to sit down always. <laughs> yeah, I was not. You wouldn't have found me in a cat suit running around on stage <laughs> pointing guns. You'd have found me sitting down watching EastEnders at that point, I think. Um, I was into Golden Balls, but I, I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah so shot it, quite violently at the end of this. There's, some there's quite, quite a lot of... Sh- there's quite a lot of shooting. There's a, there's a bit of a shootout of, of gunfights. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, so, so I've written down, and we sort of discussed this a bit, about how all sorts of things seem to have taken influence from this. And mm-hmm. whether or not Quentin Tarantino saw this, this, this performance, is, I, I don't know, but it was, it was definitely a sort of uh, Kill Bill-esque-ness to this moment, I thought. Definitely. She never really made it in the States. No, because she didn't like flying. So she never she went over like, there and taught. Yeah, she, she never she, really smashed the charts. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I've also written down the, the way that she interprets a song. Mm. And that's something that I noticed all the way through, the way that she really seems so present in the, in the telling of the, the stories of the, the songs and yeah. the way she interprets them vocally. Yeah, and then we go on to this sort of this quite a simplicity of England, my England, no England, my Lionheart, and she's got a kind of like um, sort of fighter pilot outfit on. Yeah, sort of going for this. Apparently, she was nude under that coat. Oh, she's got this big, she's got this big fighter pilot coat yeah. on and hat and goggles, and I don't know. I, I I suppose I'm willing to believe what I want to believe about Kate Bush, and I've always mm. seen it. The song as sort of like slightly ironic. Mm. kind of like the way apparently, apparently Jerusalem the lyrics uh, William Blake was supposed to be ironic as well uh-huh. and uh, so I saw it in that tradition of this ironic way of like, the way people speak about England yeah um, but you can never really be sure with her and also I don't care I yeah. love her anyway yeah I think there was you know this sort of playfulness runs all the way through but there's mm-hmm. I think uh, I messaged you as I was watching this uh, that England my Lionheart is killing me and it really was because the what vocal it, is think? the vocal is so pure, so beautiful. I think it's the way that she's that everyone's sort of sitting together and you know, they're coming. It's it's an it's an encore moment. Um, I really like the visual with the the flying hat, this kind of retro flying hat look. Um, but I think it's the simplicity of it and the way she just commits to the song, and it's just so uh, it's just so beautiful. Yeah. And then it just ends, doesn't it? Well, then we're into Wuthering Heights. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> hey. And then she just walks off stage. And then she just, she's just like, bye. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, then we're into Wuthering Heights. Uh. Yeah, and every, the moment that everybody's been waiting for does yeah. not disappoint. Yes. So what are your thoughts on, on this moment? I, because um, you know it's coming. Uh-huh. And because it's such a... I don't know, it's not really a song anymore, is it? It's more of an institution, Wuthering yeah, Heights. Yeah, it's sort of, it's, it's a legend. Yeah, but I was, I was in tears. Yeah, I also <laughs> sobbed a little yeah. at this because it's really, it's not just the song, you know, it's the end of the concerts. 
the song is phenomenal. There's a lot of dry eyes, which I... Oh, she has not disappointed with the dry eyes. Oh, she's, she's gone full dry it. eyes. Yes, and I think that's great. So there's dry full eyes, dry... like levels of the video, dry eyes. Ah, uh, full dry eyes. We've got um, the choreography from the video. Yeah. It, the voice sounds incredible. And she's Be definitely doing it live. Again, because you know that song so well yeah. that any little change is... You're like, oh, of course, it's not the same vocals. No, she's definitely it, singing it live. It's live, but it sounds amazing because that is yeah. not an easy song to sing, I would imagine. But like with a full band, whoever's doing the mixing on this mm. um, tour is nailing it as well. The sound, the sound is incredible. The, the sound technology yeah. in it is incredible. Um, and also at the end, she just starts waving very enthusiastically <laughs> at the audience <laughs> at and the jumping audience. up and down and waving. And yeah. there's just something so lovely about it. Yeah. And they and they all start waving back. Yeah, and she's oh, yeah. so excited. <laughs> she's so, it really feels like a celebration, which yeah. is, you know, that song in lots of ways, I'd never seen it in that way as a sort of mm. uplifting celebration. It's actually a very sad song about a ghost being shut outdoors and being chilly. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> we're looking but, about poor Kathy for a minute. Yes, but uh, in this moment, it's uplifting, it's joyous. Uh, it's a, it's a communion. It's a celebration. And I just thought she looked really powerful as well. She's she in a kind looks of tank top, and she looks yes. so in charge and yes. so happy. Which she fully is. So this is mm. it's it's her vision. It's it's been realised. It's works. It's all these risks, all this incredible hard work that we see in the documentary. All the commitment of this this team of incredibly talented people. It's all works. And then she's and just waving them away. She's and so I think that is uh, really beautiful at the end. Um, yeah. And I indeed also sobbed like a small child. Yeah, so I think it's just because like, you're watching, I don't know, it's back to this like Duende thing of just this someone being so completely purely themselves. Yeah. They're just, there's a purity of expression yeah. that you just, I, don't, I think it's a human thing to recognise it when it happens. Yes. And to go, yes. <laughs> I also think, you know, we, we, we've had, we've had like lifelong relationships with Kate Bush, you know, yeah. she's been a massive influence on both of us. Um, she's, you know, as a musical figure, she's held in such high regard. And I think to go back at this stage in my life, I've never seen this before and see it and go, oh my freaking goodness. Yeah. I've sent this, this is link amazing. to multiple people already. Yeah, this was amazing. What an, mm -hmm. what an incredible experience just watching it in my lockdown house. You know, the thought of being there is, uh, you know, is so intriguing. Um, uh, you know, it stands up, basically. Yeah. It absolutely stands up. And it still, stand, it still looks unique. It looks fresh. It looks like everything you don't want to see through a prism of everything you do want to see. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the tagline. There yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I uh, think that it's a triumph. I think it's a triumph, and I think that you know we talked last week about uh, Blood Ambition being widely held as the best concert of all time. I'm going to say that it should be this, and I haven't even it seen the whole thing. This. Yes. Um, I think that um, you know, in term the influence of it can be seen through so many things mm. and um so it's a delight to watch that 
Um, and, of course, I managed to get tickets to see the, uh, the only other time yes, she taught. As a, as a little coda, please. Yes. Please, can we have um, Nick, Nick at the... At the Cape Bridge 2014. 2014. Yeah, so, um, so it was at the same venue that... Um, you at the Hammersmith? It, it was at the Hammersmith, Apollo. There was such a sense of... Um, uh, just such a sense of build-up to this. I, I think because it, she hadn't toured for so many years, she'd come back with this new album. Oh, no, it was, it was a while after the album, but, you know, she hadn't been seen live for years and years and years. So it felt yeah. like a real event. Um, so she cut, she came on in procession, um, just looking absolutely like, yes, I'm here. It was, it was really, a, she just kind of lit up the stage immediately. Um, uh, so the first track was Lily. The second track was Hounds of Love, at which point I... I mean, I don't even want to say ugly crying. What I want to say is like revolting sobbing was what I was doing, basically. <laughs> I had a full just melt. Like, I was just like, I could not stop myself. To the point where the friend I went with turned to me and went, are you okay? Because I was sobbing so hard. <laughs> um you know, Hands of Love, one of my favourite songs of all time. There she was doing Hands of Love live. I was just like, I never thought that I would in my in my lifetime get to see Two Kate Bush in. performing live. Two songs in Hands of Love. Um, and, and then... Did they was... start with a quote? The, the yes, it's in the trees. Coming. It's coming. So so imagine it's in the trees. It's coming. Then imagine looking at me and me just being like, ah, which is essentially like what my happened. Adrenaline is pumping. I was broken. It was it was just phenomenal, you know. And and again, you know, she had chosen to work with incredible musicians. Um, I think her voice has changed. Mm. So, so, so you know, songs that perhaps she would have done back in the day, I don't think she would do now necessarily. So she didn't do Wuthering Heights or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but did but, she do most of Hounds of Love, the album? So she did. She did most of it. Yeah. So basically she did uh, most of Hounds of Love. Um, uh, and it was very technical. Very uh, So there was a whole storyline involved. Um, it was... I can remember at the end, the, um, the suddenly all these massive trees, tree trunks started coming down, like falling from the sky. What? So this, so so essentially, and like crashing through the instrument. So so she at the end uh, played a song on the piano, and a massive tree trunk had come through the piano. Oh. Like just all these incredible visuals. Um, it was an incredible experience to watch. It was very uh, theatrical. There was puppetry. So there was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of crossovers yeah. from this. You know, there was definitely through lines. Um, and it was it was definitely a theatrical presentation. There was a lot of dancers. Um, and it was it was incredible. And she ended with um, cloud busting. So, oh, um, God. Yeah. That was too much for me, <laughs> essentially. So, I want to cry now. Yeah. So it really, it, 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 again, it was like one of those moments where you're like, you're a legend. I've, I am absolutely, you know, I've been enthralled by you and fascinated by your work all my life. And it completely matched up. You know, yeah. what I, mean? I was not in any way disappointed. It was more than I was expecting. It was the most impressive, the most creative and the most sort of um, uh, conceptual music live performance I've ever seen. 
I think uh, one review I read, I think it might be the Catlin Moran review, which I read and cried, even though I didn't get to see the show itself. Yeah. And she's, I think she said something like... The, yeah, it was sort of beyond tour. reviewing in a way because... Yeah, it wasn't really a review. It was more like a, um, I don't know, it's a, a poem of how much she loved yeah. it. Yeah. And the, but she said that it, this tour was like Kate Bush had been waiting for technology to catch up with her own ideas. And this yeah. was an expression that she was finally... She would, probably would have done this in 79. Yeah. Or like yeah. something at this level. And it's now yeah. there's the technology that this could happen. Yeah, I think that definitely felt like the case. Because um, there were like helicopters, as I remember. <laughs> There was a big gate that she went through and she turned into a raven. You know, there was a lot going on. The yeah. moon came down. Uh, her son was in it, which, um, you know, we all forgave. He sang a song and we were like, we'll all sit here Fine, basically and wait for that to finish. Yeah. Yeah. Wait for that to finish. Um, uh, because I think he was very instrumental in sort of bring, in, in encouraging her to do the, the gig. So I think we were like, okay, we'll give you that song. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, incredible, incredible. You know, I, I don't know if she'll ever perform live again. So I'm really, really thankful and grateful that I got to witness that. And seeing this as well really put it in context because there was definitely a through line between the two. And I think she was aware of that too. Mm. What an absolute joy. Yes. Hey, tell me about that. Oh, thank Do you. you. I watched this with you. Well, what a joy to, yeah, what a joy to have watched this and discovered this afresh and also uh, wonderful to talk about it with you, a fellow yes. Bush fan. And thank you for listening to episode two of Gig It Up. And next time we have got... BTS with their tour, Love Yourself, Speak Yourself in Osaka, Japan, recorded in 2019. And oh my goodness. Oh, wow. I have so many things to share about BTS and my newfound, spoiler alert, fandom of BTS. It is a journey we can't wait to go on. See you next time. And if you want to come on another journey with us, you can follow us at Instagram on Instagram at Gig It Up Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.